January 26th, 2006, episode 15. The Rookie Designer, with your host, Adam Hay. Let's take a look at the starting lineup. Today's topic is going to be more general in its nature, but you're going to find that it's something that integrates with a lot of the previous topics that we've covered and really d- integrates well into the workflow of what we do every day. And it can affect the way that we work with other designers as well as the way we work with our service providers. So today we're going to be talking about how we can get organized in relation to all of our files and folders. Just a couple of news items today. Uh, you may or may not have gotten the, the last posting to the website, and it was about the Quark 7 beta testing. There actually is a link up there at rookiedesigner.com. If you click on there, you, you do a little sign-up process, and you can actually download the new Quark 7 beta and see all the new features, everything that they've changed in that. There are quite a few things. And also point out some bugs. If you find any bugs in there, you can let them know about that. It's just like the pre-release. You get to test it before it even comes out. And it, it's just kind of cool. So check that out if you are interested. I also wanted to mention, I, I had asked before that if anyone was going to Macworld or had any info about Macworld that they post it. And one of our listeners, Kitty, actually did this, put up a post about uh, I think it was reviews about the new uh, Mac Intels, the the new MacBook Pro and the the iMac that use the Intel chips. So there's a little bit of information up there if you go to the forums. You can read that. And that's about it for the news. So today we're going to talk about how we can get organized. And first off, just some general strategies for doing this. Really, you, can, you can't have too many folders. And I had a couple experiences when I was in school of where I would bring in my computer or we would be working on my computer in like a group sort of thing. And the people would see that I just had folders upon folders upon folders. And this kind of freaked out some people. They're, they're just like, oh my God, how do you even know where anything is? But with me, I'm definitely an anal retentive person about how I place my files and I think it really helps to have just a million folders because it's just a way of organizing things better. If you name everything the way it's supposed to be named or, or some way that makes sense to you, then you're never going to forget where these things are. It's a lot easier than just having random files just kind of scattered all over your computer, which is definitely what you don't want. So I say you really can't have too many folders. An example of different folders that you might make for certain jobs or certain projects, uh, you could have ones for different concepts. These are like the beginning stages. Maybe if you if you scanned in some of your, your hand-drawn images, you might put those in there. Uh, proofs, things that you're, you're going to be giving to people to, to check out before you send it to print. And this can get sticky too. It might be This might be a good idea because if, you're, if your workflow ends up in a PDF, like a high-res PDF, 
but you also have PDFs that you want that are small size so that you can just email them out to everybody. You definitely don't want these two things to be in the same folder. So this, this is where it's a good idea to have a proof folder as opposed to you know your final, final comp or your final folder so that you can tell the difference between the two. And other examples might be revisions. If you have a client that, that has you going through, has you jumping through hoops and making tons of revisions, you definitely want to have a, a separate place to put these so that you can go back and find them if you need to. Uh, some of the, the standards, uh, links or images, you're usually going to have these. If, if you're going to send files to the printer, you're going to have a file for your links or images and a file for your fonts. So these are pretty standard ones. Uh, you might also have a folder called to press or to the publication or just final. And these would be obviously the files that are completely done. The, the last one that you finally turned in as the final project. Now, once we get into our folders, you have all the files, of course. And another good strategy is to use a certain kind of naming convention. I think the most important thing here is to, to really form your own workflow or your own strategy for how you name things. And once you have that, you really need to stick to it. You don't want to be changing things up, especially if you're working with other people, because this is going to be important in how people identify who the file is for, what project it's for, and what it is. So a couple of ways that we can make this work is, first of all, to be descriptive. If your piece is a flower or a brochure, maybe you can come up with some kind of uh, shorthand that will let you know every time you have a brochure, it's underscore B-R-O, and that'll let you know that it's a brochure of some type. Uh, also, you, you can do this with client names. If you have a client that's named Rockstar Productions, well, you might put a RSP at the beginning of that. So your file would be RSP underscore BRO, and that would be a brochure for Rockstar Productions. Again, you might have several revisions. So in this case, maybe it's a good idea to put the date at the end of that as well. Now, if you have different revisions in the same day, this could get tricky. You might need to start giving it somewhat of a serial number, maybe the date dash one dash two, just to let you know, or maybe even V2, which suggests that it's version two. When you're making these names, uh, you also want to make them searchable so that they're not pretty much the same thing as other files that you have in other locations. You definitely don't want to name files that are two, in two different folders. You, would, you might think, well, they're in two different folders. I can give them the same name because I know that this folder is for this client and this folder is for the other client. Well, if you go and you try and search your computer for these files, you're going to end up with the same files in multiple different folders and you're not going to know which one is which other than the fact that it's in a certain folder. Well, if you want to search for, for files from a certain client, if you have at least an abbreviation of that client's name and you know what that is, well, you can just punch that in and you'll be getting all the files only for that client instead of having to wade through all the files of all your clients. So it's a good idea to differentiate even if they are in different locations on your computer. Now again, you can include keywords that will give you an idea of what the piece is or who it's for. Uh, we already said client initials are a good idea and dates. Uh, some people use, like to use serial numbers. 
I usually don't like to use serial numbers myself. I'm not a numbers person. I'm more of a a visual person, which I, I think a lot of us probably are. So I like to see a certain name in the title that lets me know what it is. But if you are a, a numbers type of person, you could very, very well come up with a system that says like maybe 222 equals a brochure and 333 equals something else. So it's really up to you. But the main thing here is figure out what you're going to do to name these files and, and don't change it. Keep it keep it the same, keep it constant, because this is really going to help you, you yourself in finding files later on down the road, but also it's going to help other people that are working with you. If they know that this is the way you do things, then they shouldn't have a problem doing it themselves. Another thing we need to think about is when we back things up. We may be backing up to CDs or DVDs or even external hard drives. And one way to make this a little bit easier, if you're backing up to CDs or DVDs, and this is something that I do at work a lot, first of all, you should know that this is not a a way to store things that you're going to want to keep forever. CDs and DVDs do wear out. They do have a specific lifetime. So just be aware of that. But I do keep a lot of my files on disk because I don't want my my computer to get cluttered up with, with tons of information, tons of files that I'm not really using at that specific time. So a good thing to do if you have one of those little CD booklets or or carrying case type things, and you have a lot of CDs, let's say you have six to 10 CDs for one client or one specific type of project. Well, what you can do is go through, open up the window, and which will show you everything that's on that disk and just print that out and put it in the book with it. So you're kind of cataloging in a way what's on the CD because it's hard to just look at the title of the CD and know what's on it when you made the CD six months ago or a year ago. So it's just a a good way to back it up so that you don't have to actually take the disc out, put it in your computer and look at what's on there. So essentially what you're doing is you're, you're making a table of contents for your CD, making it a little easier to figure out what's on there. Another thing I like to do with my freelance clients is I will make a certain CD with only their files on it. I'm not going to mix different clients. And most times, actually, I will make a CD after a certain project for a client is done. So I may have several CDs for one client, one with each of the jobs that I've done for them on it. And that kind of goes back to what I was talking about last week, about how when I send a file to print, I usually, or maybe it's not being sent to print, but maybe it's done, I'm sending it to the client, I will actually make two CDs that are identical, one for me and one for them. So I always have that backup there. And the same thing goes for when you're when you're outputting to a hard drive. I mean, this could be a PDF file that resides somewhere on your computer that tells you what's on this hard drive. Now with hard drives, it's a little easier. You plug it in, you can see everything there. But if you're anal like I am, maybe you might want to do this. In our battle to stay organized, there are some software applications out there that can give us a little hand. One of them that's pretty recent is Adobe Version Queue, and this is something that started with uh, Adobe CS, the first creative suite. And I'm not sure if you can actually buy this by itself. I think it usually only comes with the creative suite if you do buy purchase that, that suite of applications. And basically this thing allows, well, first of all, allows multiple designers to work on one design piece, one document at the same time, 
And it, what it does, it creates different versions of it so that obviously if, if you're both working on the same thing at the same time, you're going to come out with two different outputs. So you want to have different versions for that. And also it just helps, as we were talking about before, when you have different revisions, you need different versions of it so that you can jump back to another one. If the client decides you went in a direction that they didn't necessarily want, you want to be able to jump back to that last step. And in addition to that, we've also talked about when we were talking about backing up and saving often, is that you want to stop at certain points in the design process and save that as a different file so that if you keep working and the file somehow becomes corrupted, you don't have to start all over again. You just go back to the last version that you save. So this is good. You want to keep good, you want to keep a lot of versions of your projects going. Another application is called Portfolio 8, and this is made by Extensus. This thing costs about $199, and it kind of does the same type of thing. It's a file management tool, and it helps you catalog and organize the files in, in whichever way you choose to do so. And it also has a powerful search engine, so that if you uh, lose files that you need desperately, you can just punch it in and, and it'll help you find it. Uh, a free version of this obviously isn't going to have all the different features that Portfolio has, but a free version is called Picasa, and it does kind of the same things. It catalogs, it searches for files, and all of these also are able to actually show you if, you, if the files are image files, it, it gives you a preview of what that looks like. So that's also helpful when looking for, for different files. Sometimes the name doesn't always trigger it for you. Another option is Adobe Bridge, and this ships with CS2, the Creative Suite 2. And this has, again, some of the same functionality. You can search for things. I don't think the search is as good as possibly the Portfolio 8. But it does give you some of the same things. It gives you previews. The good thing about Bridge is if you open PDFs, or actually if you're searching for PDFs or InDesign documents, Illustrator, all the Adobe things, they're actually going to show up in the in the preview window. So most most don't actually do that. If you find an InDesign file, it's just going to show you some kind of uh, document icon. But this actually shows you what the layout looks like. And in Bridge, you can also preview movies as well as audio files as well. So there's some good functionality in there. Just real quick, if you are a photographer. There's obviously a lot of uh, options out there for cataloging your different images. And if you are a professional photographer, you know that uh, you can get tons and tons of images just from one shoot. So this is really an issue for, for that. Uh, some of the free things, Picasa also does photographs. It's a great way to ca catalog your photographs. And that, of course, is free and works on PC. If you do have a Mac, then you probably have iPhoto or some version of it, and that is also a great way to catalog all your photos and be able to bring them up when you need them. Bridge also works for this, and Bridge also has the enhancement of having, you can actually access Camera Raw straight out of Bridge, so you can tweak your, your raw photos if that's something that you need to do. And then we get to the big boys who have a lot more features to them but essentially do the same kind of functions in cataloging and giving you previews of your images. And we've talked about both of these before. One is Apple Aperture, 
And the other is Adobe Lightroom, which is in the beta testing program. And if you go to rookiedesigner.com, again, you can find the link to get to that and try it out yourself. Now, whether you're a freelancer or if you work in a team, it's a good idea to get into what we would call ordered processes. And this is just a certain way of doing things. Like we said, you have a certain way of naming things. You have a certain workflow to, to the way that you get from the beginning of your piece to the end of it. And after a while, when you, when you do things the same way over and over again, it's just going to become second nature. And then you're not going to have to worry about, oh, I need to name this a certain way. You're just going to do it. And it's not really going to be a big thing anymore. And that's really the point you want to get to. If you work for a larger business, such as I do, you'll notice that they even will document these processes. And, you know, if you're super anal, go ahead and, and do this. It's not a bad idea. If you have new people coming to your team, that way you can just hand them the document and say, read this, this is how we do things here. So it might not be a bad idea, but it just shows you the importance of having processes in place so that everybody can really be on the same page. Now that's what I call a rookie mistake. Our tip for today, and I've seen this with quite a few people, and I think it just has to do with people's habits overall. If you were one of those kids growing up where you couldn't see the floor of your bedroom, well, this might be you. But I have a little saying that's, that goes like this. Your desktop is not a dumping ground. There's nothing worse than, than me seeing people with their desktop and there's, it's just littered with files. And you don't know what these files go to anymore because they've been up there so long. You really just, you have to stay away from this. this. This is bad practice. But what is good practice? Well, before you start a project, figure out where it goes and make a folder for it. If you have a, a particular client you're working for, make a folder for that client if there isn't one already. Inside that folder, make a folder for the specific project that you're doing or the day that you're working on it or the month some way that you can figure out later how to get back to it. Uh, make a folder system ahead of time. And really the basics here, what you should do at the very least, is make a project folder and inside that you're going to want to have an images folder and a fonts folder and possibly a support folder. Now support is where you would put all your supporting files, maybe your, your big layered files as opposed to your flattened TIFF files. Fonts obviously are where the font's going to go when you output the file. Those will be the fonts that you've used in it. And images will be the images that are linked to the file. I think it was last week that we talked about actually outputting files from Quark and InDesign. And this might alleviate some of that because when it actually packages the file, it gives you the images file or the links file and the fonts file. So you may not necessarily need to do this but it's just a good way to keep things organized from the very beginning so that you don't end up with files scattered all over your computer not knowing where they are when you need them. Things are getting a bit out of hand. Looks like it's time to go to the bullpen. Our website today relates in some ways, in some ways it really doesn't, but just talking about the whole team thing or the working with other designers on, on files got me to thinking about something that, that I think is pretty cool. 
The website is yousendit.com. And what this is, it's basically a way for you to send large files to other people who maybe don't have the capacity in their email. Now, if people have like Hotmail or Google or Yahoo Mail or something like that, usually these things are going to have a limit to how much, how big of files they can, they can accept in their emails as attachments. And also, you might find this in businesses. Actually, our parent company has, I believe, a two megabyte cap on their email attachments. So for people working in business, this really doesn't affect them much. They're usually sending PowerPoints or Word documents or Excel. But if you're a designer, you obviously know that our files are going to be way huger than that. So we need some way that we can send files to these people. And you send it actually does it, and it's completely free. What you do, you go there. It gives you a screen with a form that has you fill out the recipient's email address, your own if you want the link sent to you as well, and then you just browse for your file. What it does, it uploads it to their server, and it makes a link that they send to the recipient, and they have about a week, I think, to, to download it, or five days. So basically, it's just like a, a temporary storage, so that it's almost kind of like FTP, but you don't have to have the FTP set up already. The person you're sending it to goes up, grabs the link, and downloads the files, and you're all set. Just real quick, again, I want to uh, inform everybody of the new ads that are going to be going up on rookiedesigner.com. This, again, is just a way for me to try and make a little bit of money without actually having to ask you for it. So if you see an ad up there for something that, that you want to purchase or you were going to purchase already, please go through that actual banner because I do get a commission off of that. That's going to do it for me today. As always, I thank you for listening and have a great day. That one's high. It's got the distance. It's out of here. They're labeled as a lunatic, sequestered and content. They're ignored and defeated by the government. The Norianic public whose magnetic force is full. But away from the potential of the individual. Against the great. That's why I'll stay Swim in a stream I maintain against the grain The flow is getting stronger With small increments of time And at these a few ideas Are increasingly hard to find Indeed all that the other has Is your right to seize the day But in all your acquisitions You will soon be swept away Against the grain That's where I'll stay Swim in upstream, 